1: As we've talked about now several times, the book of Revelation is a series of visions. It's not straightforward prose like the Gospels. It's not a poem uh, like are many of the Psalms. It is an apocalypse. It is an unveiling. It is very much like going to an art gallery and having paintings uh, successively unveiled one after the other in order to tell a particular story. So it is here. Reading Revelation is not like reading a newspaper. The visions are related to each other, but they do not run like consecutive paragraphs in an article. Rather, again, they're they're more like related paintings in a gallery. And this chapter, chapter 12, introduces us to the fourth great vision sequence in the book of Revelation. It begins at chapter 12. And this particular vision goes all the way through Revelation 13, 18. It's a three-part vision introducing us to our enemy, a sort of gross parody of the Holy Trinity. In the Trinity, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, in this vision, we meet the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. And we begin today in chapter 12 with the vision of the devil, the great dragon and accuser of the brethren. We'll start reading at verse one. It says, And a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Now, With all due respect uh, to our Roman Catholic friends, who often identify this woman straight up as the Blessed Virgin Mary, most commentators prefer to understand the woman in this vision as something more like Mother Church or the Covenant Community as a whole. Now, in that sense, obviously, Mary is in view in a derivative sense, but the image here is larger than any one person. Plus, all the symbolism points in the other direction. The sun and the moon at her feet are symbols clearly borrowed from Genesis 37 and the dream that Joseph had about his future and destiny as a ruler over God's people. Remember in Genesis 37, the sun and the moon represent Jacob and Rachel and the 12 stars represent their 12 sons, the men who would become the 12 patriarchs of Israel. Now, there is no sense in which Mary could be thought of as ruling over Israel. Rather, it is far better to think of this as Israel itself, and more specifically, the covenant community itself. This is a picture of the covenant community giving birth to the long-awaited Messiah. Now, the pastoral point here is that no matter how things look on the earth, the covenant community, the people of God, the church, is to be understood as glorious, as brilliant, and as well-protected. Now, the language of birth pains is frequently associated in the Bible with the coming of Messiah. Jesus even spoke about that. So that's, that's what we're seeing here. We see the covenant community laboring to bring forth Messiah into the world. And we also see that she is opposed in so doing. She has an enemy. And we meet that enemy in verse 3. The text says, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns. Most commentators understood uh, understand that as a reference to influence in government and great power on the earth. Okay. And on his heads, seven diadems, crowns. Verse 4. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Okay, pause there. That refers to the fallen angels. Now now there's again there's pastoral benefit in this vision. Is it sort of a good news bad news scenario? Okay, the good news is the the devil's outnumbered. He only took a third of the angels of heaven with him, right? The the devil is outnumbered. He's got to deploy his forces. He he can't send all his demons your way. He's got to make choices. And I think that's the good news. The bad news is, of course, is the devil has friends. Uh, The devil has has, uh, minions underneath him, and they've been cast down to the earth. That is, they've been cast down to the realm of men, of humanity, carrying on. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. I actually preached on this one time for Christmas. It's it's the least likely nativity story in the Bible, but it but it does preach. Verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Obviously that's Jesus. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Interesting. It, it's like there was no no real battle there at all. Jesus uh, the, the devil was completely unable to thwart Jesus in anything. It was no contest. Jesus came. He lived his life. He, he accomplished his mission. He died on the cross. He rose again. He ascended to the Father's right hand, and he has sat down and begun to rule. And it's like the devil never even touched him. He never even came close to destroying him. Verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, we need to pause here and consider again this number, 1,260 days. This number, or some version of it, appears again and again in the book of Revelation. Sometimes it's 1,260 days, as here. Sometimes it's 42 months. Sometimes it's three and a half days. Years, it's all the same. If you add add them up, remembering the lunar calendar, it's all the same. But what does it mean? Well, yesterday, while discussing chapter 11, where 1,260 days, 42 months, and three and a half years were all mentioned, I said that there is disagreement among scholars as to how this symbol should be understood. Some see it as the latter half of the more intense time of tribulation near the end of the church age. Others see it as symbolic for the entire church age. Now I tried to be very cautious yesterday and rightly so But I think here the symbol has to be understood in the latter sense, in the sense of the entire church age, the entire period between the two comings of Christ. This vision is depicting the battle being waged by the devil against the covenant community throughout the entire church age. And it is here described under the symbol of 1,260 days. This is a symbolic way of saying that the entire church age will be like, in some sense, the Maccabean revolt. The church will face enormous pressure to conform. The church will become, in some measure, defiled. And yet, there will be a remnant who fight and contend for purity and who maintain the witness of the people of God. They will be preserved, as in the days of the Maccabees. It will be a brutal time, but thanks be to God, it will be a limited time time 3.5 years is a defined and short period of time that seems to be the idea and and Jesus said as much in his earthly ministry in Matthew 24 he said if those days had not been cut short no human being would be saved but for the sake of the elect those days will be cut short all right so it's going to be hard there's going to be tremendous pressure even unto death but it will not last forever those days, these days, will be cut short. That seems to be the meaning of the symbol. The covenant community gave birth to her Messiah. He lived, died, rose again, and ascended to the Father's right hand and has begun to rule. The church, however, remains on the earth, and she has a mortal enemy. The devil hates Jesus, and he hates us. He will oppose us. He will oppress us. He will pressure us to conform, and he will attempt to defile and destroy our witness. This will be our common experience between the comings of the Lord, but it will not last forever. Let's jump back into the text at verse 7. Now, war arose in heaven Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. Let's just pause for a second. This sounds for all the world like Luke 10:18. After the disciples got back from a preaching tour, they told Jesus about how so many people had responded to the gospel. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So putting these two passages together, we might say that as the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed throughout all the earth, the devil's power and authority are diminished. Revelation 12 goes on to say, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. The devil's power is the power of the law and the curse of the law. Well, now, because of Jesus, that power is gone. Jesus fulfilled the law and absorbed the curse. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel that defeats and destroys our enemy. That's why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What can the devil say about the sons and daughters of God? They've been washed in the blood. Their sins have been cast into the sea, and God will look upon them no more. Verse 11 goes on to say, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. That is to say, they have conquered the devil by what Jesus did and by what they believe and proclaim even unto death. Notice here, friends, that believing and speaking are inseparable. If you don't speak, you don't believe. The Apostle Paul said, I believed, therefore I spoke. And so does every true believer, even at the cost of their lives. Verse 12 goes on to say, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. His time is short. Our enemy is a defeated but dangerous foe. That's the, that's the primary meaning of this vision. That's the easy part in terms of interpretation. The last couple of verses are more disputed. We'll jump back into the verse or into the text at verse 13. It says, "And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness." I think we've already mentioned that the eagle is a symbol of God's providential care. So, there's providential care such that she can escape the serpent into the wilderness, and I'm back into the text now at halfway through verse 14, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. By the way, that is another version of that 1,260 days, 42 months, three and a half years. A time, times and half a time is a year, another year and a half, or sorry, a year, two years times and a half a time, a half a year, three and a half years. Okay, it's all the same symbol. This verse 15, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he, the devil stood on the sand of the sea. Now, the clear meaning here is that the devil hates the covenant community. Having failed to destroy Jesus, he now wants to kill Mother Church. He appears to be close to achieving his goal multiple times, but each time God moves heaven and earth to save his people. Now, where the interpretation is debated has to do with whether there is a switch in the devil's primary target from ethnic Israel to the Christian church, as some folks maintain. Under that interpretation, the devil first tries to destroy the Jews, and then failing to do so, goes after the rest of mothers' offspring, that is, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, which, by the way, is a very interesting description of the church. Now, others see this just as consecutive unrelenting attacks against the covenant community, against mother church, which is then finally described as those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Either way, the point is clear. The devil comes only to kill and destroy, but what are his plans compared To the word of Jesus Christ who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have an enemy. Our enemy has friends, but we have the word of the
0: Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those at intotheword.ca. You can also connect with Pastor Paul and other Bible readers on the Into the Word Facebook page. Just type Into the Word into the search bar. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right corner. Once again, that's intotheword.ca. We hope to see you again real soon, right here for another episode of Into the Word. Thank you